in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. Episode two of Meat- Meatless Equals Murder. Woo! A look at Australia's first serial killer, with our first legitimized serial killer, William McDonald. Nice. Look at us growing up, getting our own serial killers. Oh my God, we've oh. come so far. As a nation. Oh. <laughs> it makes me so proud. So if this is your first uh, foray into this topic, you probably want to go back and listen to the first episode mm-hmm. first, which was last week's, mm-hmm. uh, because spoilers, there's going to be a lot of stuff in here that's not going to make sense, and you're not going to have probably the same empathy mm-hmm. for the horrendous... It's a weird It's a weird topic, because you do have empathy for this guy. Oh, my God. Like, it, it starts off like... I mean, where do we start from? The fact that, you know, there's a guy, the poor little kid who just needs a hug, gets bashed his entire life, um, has some, like, reaches out, oh, I'm, I'm struggling with some medical problems. Yeah. And they put him in the army, ship him overseas to a world war where he gets raped by rapey Colonel McRape Rape. <laughs> Um, oh my god! And then you know, spends his like time the next few years fighting his way like across. We will re- we will recap bloody <laughs> sands. Oh my god! You know what? Thinking about, it, I mean, I you were saying the battalion that he was in was like you the know Lancaster this, Fusiliers. Yeah, like this high, yeah. yeah, highly praised you know unit like kicking on you know during the war. I was thinking about it. Yeah, and I'm like, I think I know why. I know why they were, like, kicking ass and just, like, every day they were, like, taking new ground. Because if you didn't move ahead, what were you doing at the end of the day? Going back to the shed with Colonel Rapey McRapey? No, you push bloody forward. I think they were just trying to get away from, like, Colonel McRapey. It's a strange form of motivation, but (laughs) I find it works. It's not one that I think we should endorse. (laughs) Well, I can certainly understand why they were pushing forward because nobody was pushing back. No, should have tried that in the trenches. <laughs> Just to move Montgomery's drinks cabinet five metres further towards Paris. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, God. <laughs> but in a weird tangent, yeah. this kind of character development, and because we're in mm. spoiler territory, I figured I'd get into the latest Star Wars before we really dig into this. Oh, yeah. The Book of Boba Fett. Now this make Spoiler alert. Okay. Yeah, spoiler as fuck alert. Mm. But my god, they do not know how to do character development in that movie. In oh, that, in that really? Show. Is this the is this the the, the, the book Bo- of Boba Fett? Okay, I haven't seen it yet. Full disclosure. Okay, so total spoiler alerts for okay. everyone. But you know, the last the last new episode, the season closer, aired last week. Mm-hmm. So I think we're safe to be discussing this now. Okay. But fuck me, dead. How do you take the badass bounty hunter who brought down Han Solo uh-huh. and turn him into the most unfucking likable? Character in the entire Star Wars universe, and I'm including Jar Jar Binks. No, yeah. because uh, like Boba Fett has always been like one of the coolest characters yeah. in Star Wars. He was like, a villain that you liked. Yeah, you were just like, damn, you're cool with your yeah. little cape. Yeah, you're your super swashbuckling. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, why? Why is he? Why is he uncool? What has he done? Well, he's gone from being this badass bounty hunter to some yeah. some having some kind of religious epiphany, midlife crisis in the stomach of the Sarlacc. Oh. He's teamed up with the fucking Tuscans. Yeah. Out in the middle of the desert, suddenly humanizing them, even though there's been a couple of genocide events at the hands of Jedi. Yeah, we we yeah we we don't talk about that. But yeah. yeah. But not just that. Like he just tries to rule over this little fiefdom. 
but like in a nice way. It's like you were one of the most brutal cunts in the whole Star Wars saga. Oh. And now you're trying to be everyone's friend. It doesn't make sense. And the problem is Robert Rodriguez. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I love so many of his movies, but when he touches Star Wars, just something goes wrong. Oh. He's got these mod bikers who ride around on what look like modified fucking Vespers from Italy and... (laughs) They, they literally look like they're just in a fucking crap rock band. Oh. There's nothing Star Warsy about them at all. Thundercat appears in an episode. What? Yeah, Thundercat's there and he's like the mod guy who like turns them all into cyberpunks and installs chips in them and shit. Oh, God. And do you know what his, do you know what his, his costume was? Uh. Just fucking what he wore that day. Oh. Because Thundercat's pretty weird. So I was just going to say like a hat, you know. Not even, no. Like he's, he's got his gold dreads and his Gucci glasses and all that shit and it's like, okay. Oh. Well, that's awkward. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very well, weird. But then <sighs> yes. Bryce Dallas Howard and yes. John and Dave Filoni come along and direct two of the best fucking episodes in the whole series. Okay, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant yep. stuff. And they reintroduce, spoiler again, they reintroduce Cad Bane. Okay. The bounty hunter that first popped up in all the old animated series. Okay. Give him the fucking worst possible story arc imaginable. Ow. Like, he just dies for fucking nothing. Ow. Like, not even a, like, what, for a Twix bar? Is not that what even. We're talking? Oh. Not even, like, a shitty showdown in the street. Oh. He gets killed by Tamara Morrison, who's fucking playing Boba Fett, thanks to George Lucas's horrible casting decisions. Anyway, <laughs> I'm saying this serial killer is yeah. more relatable than Boba Fett in this series. Oh, my God. You know what? It's kind of... Uh, was as we, I was talking to you earlier, the, where they've uh, uh, Paramount Plus has decided that there, after all the years of begging and pleading for there to be a Halo film, they've decided to make a Halo TV series. Yeah. Um, the first thing that they decided to do was, of course, the voice of the Master Chief. Uh, they've said... <gasps> No, no thanks. You know what? We're going in a different direction. That's not you. I've seen the previews. The proportions are wrong. There's a human, like, oh, my God. It's just, it looks awful. I have now come of an age where I can see all the beloved things of my childhood being ruined by accountants. I'm of that age. Everything that I love and hold dear is now being smashed upon rocks. Surely you were around for the Masters of the Universe movie. Surely. (laughs) Seeing Dolph Lundgren as fucking (laughs) He-Man. I was seven years old and watched that and I was just going, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Okay, spoiler alert. (laughs) I... You should play drinking games to Masters of the Universe. Really? Yeah. And then it is an act of, it's it's one of the best things you will ever see in your life. Okay, but how could it not be a suicide? Because basically, <laughs> drink every time they do something dumb. You're just fucking <laughs> leaving Las Vegas dead in 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's a win-win situation. And then you become blank drunk and you can't remember it. And then you start afresh the next time. Woo! That's it's a win-win. The only way to get rid of that film from your mind. Mm-hmm, is to mm-hmm. self-lobotomize with ethanol. Yeah, damn straight. <laughs> Courtney Cox. I know. What the hell? I bet she's caught in some cocks at her time. <laughs> oh, it's 1980s comedy, man. Woo! <laughs> oh, my Lord. But, yeah, so we've lived long enough to see it uh, all be... And, of course, what Ridley Scott has been doing with the Alien universe. Oh, uh, God. But we're also living long enough to see good shit happen mm. with... Name one thing. Denny Villeneuve's Dune. It's fucking spectacular. Oh, godly. Oh, my God. What? It's so good. I know, but you're so in love with it. Like, yeah. you know, 
God. It's a really good adaptation. Yeah. I like the Lynch one as well, but... Oh, who doesn't sting in a leather thong? What's Fucking not to a. love? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Does this mean that you're going to, like, you know, change the name on your on your sock? <laughs> you're going to rename it. What's his name? What? Lido Atreides or something. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's directed the new Dune. Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. Are you just going to call no. it Denny Lilfern's Dune? No, it's still Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> Time Sock. <laughs> So wrong. It is. So wrong. Oh, my Lord. <sighs> Can't mess with the classics. Unless it's fucking Futurama. Oh, well, Bendigate. Is that what you're talking Bendigate, about? yeah. <gasps> well, uh, don't know if this will be resolved. Um, we were discussing this, of course. Um, Futurama came out 23 years ago. Um, it's sort of, it's been revived more times than a zombie with a defibrillator. It's just, it's gone out, it's come back, it's gone out, it's come back. But it's always uh, been the same team, hasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. it's been off our air for a while, but of course, uh, Hulu, uh, Hulu, 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 yeah. Hulu um, has picked up the, uh, the series again. But then... Da, 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 da. Kenai observers noted that they'd pretty much got all of the same voice acting talent except for one, Mr. DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. Of course, voices Bender, who, let's face it, is Futurama. He's the, he's the reason we watch yeah. Futurama. Um, apparently, would you believe he asked for <laughs> a livable wage, okay? Pretty much, you know, he's like, look, you guys have made so much money from Bender. I just want some decent money, yeah. you know, to come back and do it. So, you know what they did? After all the years of decades of hard work that he's put into creating such a phenomenal character. They told him to fuck off? They told him to fuck off and then actually put a uh, vacancy, job vacancy ad out to recruitment agencies <laughs> in LA that specifically asked for someone who could do a DiMaggio Bender style impersonation for the new series. <laughs> That's fucked. To which, thankfully, people have all been getting behind, uh, behind saying, you know what, get fucked to this studio. I'm actually with DiMaggio for this. Pay voice actors some decent money. They deserve it. Yeah. They create these characters. Yeah. And I think what he is asking for is not unreasonable, considering they wouldn't have had the last 23 years of success without his voicing talent. But didn't they do that to, was it Yardley Smith in The Simpsons? Mm -hmm. She wanted more money, so they just fucking killed Maud Sanders? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's actually... Um, was it Yardley Smith or was one of them? Yeah, yeah, she, uh, uh, Ned's wife. Mm. Well, there's actually there's a Simpsons episode where they actually... Um, I think they actually make a, a joke about... Wow. You know, characters just being killed off, you know, rather than giving them a pay raise. Oh. Yeah. So, you know what? I think maybe this could be the beginning of, you know, the times are a-changing. And people recognise for the quality so. of voice work that they do. Because, yeah, a lot of these characters, like we said, you know, Master Chief, you know, like we finally get the movie. Oh, let's just piss him off and get some like. Yeah. Keep the <sighs> fucking accountants out of showbiz. Yeah, exactly. It's not about money. It's about hopes and dreams. Yeah. And, you know. And uh, if you do it well, it makes a lot of fucking money. Damn straight. And just pay them what it's worth. Because, oh, my God, I wouldn't have had. Even half as many sex dreams about the Master Chief <laughs> if it wasn't for his smooth and salty voice. So give us our Master Chief, give us our DiMaggio and pay them what they're worth. Exactly. 
The accountants are the reason we have serial killers, I reckon. Oh. That was a fucking ham-fisted segue, but I, I don't know how to reef this bus back onto the road. Yeah. Um, I, could just say, I could just say, let's kick on with <laughs> part two of Meatless Equals Murder. You know what? Speaking of people who finally like reached the limit and went, <laughs> fuck it. Here's tonight's guest. You are going to lose empathy for this guy, though. Really? I'm kind, yeah. of, I'm kind of behind him at this stage. Yeah, until you hear about some of the shit he did. Oh, well, okay. Well, up until now. Up until now. Okay. Yeah. I'm just kind of, it's not him, it's everyone around him yeah. that is an asshole. And I would have slashed more than a tire at this stage. Yeah. But yeah, give us a recap. So yeah, so this is part two of Meat with Meatless Equals Murder, the... Uh, <laughs> the birthday edition that we decided to put together for Liz, celebrating all things vegetarian and veganism. <laughs> because there are there are non-meat-eating murderers out there. This is why we go crazy. This is why we go crazy. So before we do charge ahead, a quick recap on last week's episode. And fair warning, we are going to be discussing homophobia, sexual assault, and some pretty graphic violence mm-hmm. uh, in this episode. So if that's not your thing, uh, perhaps maybe check out some of our earlier episodes, which were good, clean fun, like The Mothman or Cock Squatch. <laughs> Just silly, stupid shit. I love that that's the best that we've got for good, hold, clean, some fun is the Cock Squatch. A cock Squatch and a pussy eating moth. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to what this motherfucker did. Oh, oh yeah. God. Okay. So the man who would grow to be known as the Sydney Mutilator, William MacDonald, who was born Allen Ginsberg lived a tortured life from the outset. Mm. He was a quiet loner who often disappeared on long walks on the streets of Liverpool at night, and he suffered from mental ill health from a young age. We know he was diagnosed as a schizophrenic as a young man. He found purpose in the British Army, an emotional reprieve that was short-lived as he suffered a horrendous sexual assault at the hands of a senior officer. Mm. And following his discharge from the Army several years later, he was almost immediately committed to a Scottish mental asylum by his brother... (sighs) Now, we know that McDonald was a vegetarian and gay. So straight away, two of the fucking worst things you could have going for yourself back in the 1950s when there was no tolerance for anything. Mm-hmm. And his sexuality led to many instances of bullying and intimidation at the hands of workmates. Now, remember, being gay was illegal back then and the law tended to turn a blind eye to serious assaults and even murders of queer people. So, yay, you know. Uh, what the fuck was wrong with people? Like seriously, I don't know. Just why? Why do you? Why do you honestly care what other people are like? What consenting adults are doing in the privacy of their own home? Well, it's just clearly a whole bunch of latent homosexuality that people weren't prepared to deal with. Oh God! But like, the, the get out there and fuck a mate for your country. Exactly. Oh my God! Keep the like the the world's overpopulated at the moment. Yeah. Frankly, if you cared about the planet, yeah, you'd be getting more of it. But you know what I don't understand? The fifties, everybody was so stylish. If yeah. anybody should have embraced the gay man, yeah. it should have been the nineteen fifties. Yeah, because style, style, style. Come home with a brand new oven and just go peg. I want you to peg me. <laughs> See, oh my god With the new General Electric dick Isn't that actually an episode of Mad Men? And if not, it should have been Uh, I would watch John Harm getting, like, pegged Oh my god 
Now, as a result of all the abuse that McDonald would suffer, he actually emigrated to Canada and then Australia in the hopes of forging a new life, mm-hmm. where the violence and intimidation he, he experienced would reach new levels and he would even be convicted of an indecent assault in the city of Adelaide, a place that was notoriously homophobic even by 20th century standards. But wasn't that just because he touched a dick? He, he grazed touched, a dick. He touched a dick. Now, there's, there's, look, there's urinal etiquette. Okay, All right, explain this to me. Well, the, the urinal in it, straight, look straight ahead. It's, mm-hmm. it's like driving on a straight highway. Look straight ahead. If you get distracted on the edges, just nut, nah, just keep. But are you saying you never look? You never look? I don't look. look at people's dicks in the fucking Oh, room. my God, how could you not? How do you not look at every dick that comes in? How do you not just give it a little oh, sideways, peripheral? Because I'm oh, it's just, it's, there's bad energy in urinals. Just curiosity. Oh, no, that's no, a weird there's one. very bad energy in urinals. Urinals are strange, weird That's places. It's full of men with yeah, their exactly. dicks out, which exactly. is where all the evil in the world comes from. But then you go to a music festival and suddenly a woman comes in and uses the urinal and it just throws the entire universe into disarray. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's like, how have you backed up onto this thing? Well, I have was- enough trouble looking forward. Honestly, you've never had a sneaky peek. No. And what about those ones where you're literally just standing next to each other? How do you not accidentally see their wang? Like, out of your peripherals. Because you stare directly ahead... Thanks to 25 million years of patriarchal evolution. (laughs) What if you're short? You stare straight ahead. Okay. You don't. You don't need to see the dick. No one wants you to. There's always people that try and show you. How? How? Oh, you know they fucking might go near your foot a little bit. What with their dick or their stream? Their stream. Yeah. Look at the fuck, man. Oh. Anyway, no, I never. I never look at other people's dicks. Wow. I'd be. I'd be a terrible dude then. I'd be looking at every dick. Yeah. Like, look at your dick. Um, it's, it's just lizard brain shit. You just look straight ahead. Okay. Get your business done. Leave. Don't talk to anyone. Don't wash hands. Go. Go. Okay. Well, then why, do, why don't you all just have, like, like cubicles? Like I don't ladies? know. I don't know. Like, why do you feel the need to get your dicks out if you're not going to look at your dicks? Because it's, it's cheaper to use a urinal than to put in individual toilets. Oh, God. Again, the accountant's ruining the world. <laughs> anyway. Uh now, we know about this time when McDonald had come to Australia that he stopped being a punching bag and started to manifest violence of his own. Slashing tyres. It started with slash tyres on his workmates' bikes, <laughs> but soon graduated to something far worse. Ooh. Now, so far, it's not hard to empathise with McDonald because yeah. it kind of he seems pretty much like he's been the victim his whole life. So yeah. It's basically the private pile story in Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a little bit innocent. He's an easy target for bullies. He's little. He's a, he's a really small guy. A L- little bit chubby. A little bit chubby. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's also strangely thin. He's one of those chubby, thin guys. Uh, yeah. You that. see them? I mean, yeah. I've, I've never had that curse personally. but <laughs> So it's been hard. But we'll see just how far McDonald went off the deep end in part two of Meatless Equals Murder. Ooh. See, I wrote this all out in one thing, didn't realise we just added a around it. Because okay. you normally do this, it's not normally me. Oh, we are going. oh my God, how come even when I'm not doing it, it's still my fault? You're such a man. <laughs> you want, maybe you- look straight ahead, don't look at anything <sighs> else. Just focus on the tile in front of you and get done and leave. You know what? Maybe the world would be a better place if you all just stopped every now and then and just had a look at each other's dicks and realised it's not just all about that. Moving right along. So not a lot is known about why William McDonald graduated to murder. We just know when. Oh, I think we know why. I think we know why, but it's a a big difference between slashing someone's tyres and killing a person. Is it is it the rape? Is it the continuous in you know institutionalized abuse? Is it like work makes kicking the shit the out of you? The schizophrenia, you know. The schizophrenia, yeah. But it still takes something to push someone across that. Oh. Right. 
<laughs> I think all of this is already, but okay. So his introduction to murder happened when McDonald befriended 63-year-old Amos Hurst outside the Roma Street Railway Station in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. They had a long drinking session together in a nearby pub and went back to Hurst's room, which was likely a sort of single man's bed sit. We're mm-hmm. talking poor working man's accommodation. Yeah. Where they drank more beer. Now, Hurst, an ageing alcoholic and well-known in the local area, was being a bit of a bit of a darrow. Mm. He was so drunk that he probably had no idea that William McDonald was strangling him until it was too late. During the struggle, the force that was provi- uh, exerted forced Hurst to hemorrhage and blood splattered from his mouth all over McDonald's face and hands. McDonald reacted by stepping back, punching him, killing him with the blow, and he dropped to the ground dead. McDonald then undressed Hurst, put him into bed, washed the blood from his arms, cleaned up, and quietly left the building, returning to his lodgings in South Brisbane. <laughs> Later, McDonald would claim he had no intentions of murdering Hurst, but the urge to kill him came on suddenly, and he just squeezed his hands around Hurst's neck. Now, we've all had urges when we've been drinking, but mine usually ends up with, like, a regrettable text message to an ex-girlfriend and a kebab. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't get these urges when I'm drunk. I get these urges when I'm just sitting in the office and someone is 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 prattling on about, COVID isn't real, it's all made up. And I'm just like, I can just picture my hands around your throat. (laughs) Tell me some more about that, Karen. You don't need a vaccine. You don't need a vaccine when dead, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, unlike many serial killers who might relive their first kill or even feel release that comes from that first kill, McDonald was terrified of what might come next. Mm. Specifically, he was terrified that he was about to be arrested. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that sounds fair. Pretty fair. So it sounds like someone who probably really wasn't in control of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I can't editorialise, but to me that's what it sounds like. McDonald would then spend the next few days scouring the newspapers for the story of Hearst's murder, Mm -hmm. but no such story appeared. And this is a pattern that's going to emerge in this. Really fucking incompetent police are the reason Australia had its first... (laughs) What? I know. What? You're good at football and you're tall? Become a cop, you solve the murder. Duh. Yeah. Oh my god, still haven't found the fuckers who broke into my house But you know, whatever <laughs> I mean, they touched everything But you know, that's alright yeah. So know. we know that he scoured the newspaper No such story appeared It wasn't until five days later That an obituary was printed And McDonald couldn't believe his eyes It had said that Hurst had died of a heart attack Now, what the paper didn't reveal was that the police who'd found Hurst's body noted bruising to the neck, mm. but couldn't find enough evidence on the scene to justify a murder investigation. So the place was clean, Hurst was undressed and in bed, and he was a known drinker. He might have just had a run-in with someone else who'd strangled him. He'd then come home and just got himself naked, went to bed and had a heart attack in his sleep. Or someone was like, oh, oh, my heart. And as he was struggling for air, accidentally yeah. like convulsed yeah. and choked himself yeah, yeah. in bed. I mean, he's been strangled so hard that he's hemorrhaged, you know, which basically means things have collapsed internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's it. His first murder and he's gotten away with it scot-free. Oh, <laughs> that's it. The first one's always free, though. That's how they get the you in. The first cut is the deepest. So that's it. He's now got a taste for it. And it was then he decided to start buying his trusted sheath knives that he would buy for every single murder. Now, Ooh. enter Lucky Bill, 
the man with the singly most apt nickname in the history of luck. Oh, okay. Because it was at a bar full of derelicts drinking cheap fortified wine that William MacDonald met a, name, met a man named Bill. Mm-hmm. And the more they drank, the more Bill looked like the corporal who had raped William all those years before. Oh. So just imagine how that went down. You fucking drinking with me, fucking mate. This is pretty fucking good. You know what? I wish I joined the army. I would have had some fun in the air raid shelters. You know what I mean? So imagine what that was like. Mm. Closing time, the pair took a couple of bottles of wine to a nearby park for a drink. Oh, romantic. Yeah. <laughs> if you like pina coladas. <laughs> and drinking goon in the park. <laughs> McDonald's urge to kill was rising, but he waited until Bill passed out and fell asleep on the grass. Then... Taking his razor-sharp knife from its sheath, Mm. he sat on Bill's chest with the knife raised, but the desire to commit the murder had gone by the time it happened. That's the problem with drinking. By the time you get around to the act, yeah, Yeah, you find yourself flaccid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Look, it happens. It does. It happens Happens to to every killer. Exactly. Now and then, nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. There's medications for it now. (laughs) You can talk to a counsellor. Just you know, just you can't kill every time you go down to Crystal Lake, you know. Like, Sometimes you just want to go fishing. Exactly, it gets tiring. You know, be af- be afraid to say no. I won't kill today. Don't feel pressured. So imagine that he's, he's literally slept through his own attempted murder. <laughs> so something just wasn't right on the night. I mean, yeah. Imagine if they were drinking rum, <laughs> it would have happened. <laughs> oh my god, Bundy! Oh my god, I just would have found a fucking head. That would have been it. Now, it wasn't until 1961, Mm. when McDonald moved to Sydney, that the mutilator would emerge a much more calculated, if not still opportunistic, killer. Mm -hmm. McDonald would assume the name Edward Brennan. So this is the extent he's gone to. He's moved cities and he's taken up an assumed name. Mm -hmm. And he took a job sorting letters for Australia Post, which was then known as the Postmaster General. So not only was he Australia's first serial killer, but he was literally going postal. (laughs) (laughs) Before long, McDonald was frequenting the gay beats, parks and toilets that were known to Sydney's gay men. So he's he's enjoying the culture. Yeah, he's got hobbies, interests. And more power to it. People, exactly. Yeah, he's not hurting anyone. Yep. (laughs) But not everything was fabulous for McDonald. Mm -hmm. It wasn't long before the voices in his head were back, only now they were urging him to kill. Oh. Oh. They never give you a fucking a pep talk, do they? I know. Like, yeah, come on, you can do it. Stop the voices. No, I'm just here to encourage you. You were good at piano as a kid. Keep doing it. Exactly. Oh, what? Yeah. You're smarter than you believe you are. I believe you can fly. <laughs> you're, not the, you're not the actual culmination of your mother's love. You're your own person. You don't have to impress her. Oh, thanks, voices in my head. <laughs> yeah. No, they were telling him to kill people. Oh. And it was on the night... Of Saturday, June 4th, 1961, mm-hmm. that the mutilator was born. When McDonald struck up a conversation with a 41-year-old vagrant named Alfred Greenfield. And these, these were the people he picked. Okay. Basically men who were down and out on their luck that people wouldn't miss. Okay. So basically, weirdly, it's kind of he's lashing out at himself. Almost, yeah. 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 How Freudian of us yeah. to... Jeez, you look like a giant penis. <laughs> 
Well, then how would you know you wouldn't be looking at me? (laughs) Touche. Now, Greenfield was an unemployed and homeless former blacksmith. As he sat on a park in Green Green Park, so he sat on a bench in Green Park opposite St. Vincent's Hospital in the Mm. inner city suburb of Darlinghurst. Mm McDonald's. Oh, nice area. It's a very nice area. Nice area. Yeah, which, yeah, which, oh my God, he's brought it to a nice part. McDonald offered Greenfield a drink from his bottle and lured him to the nearby Domain Baths on the pretext that he had more bottles in his bag. But there was, <laughs> We've all been lured to a pool <laughs> with that promise. <laughs> uh, but there was more than beer in the bag. McDonald had brought a brand new, long-bladed, razor-sharp knife, especially for the occasion. Now, by day, the Domain Baths were a popular swimming spot situated on the Sydney Harbour. So they were um, like seawater pools, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Really quite nice. Yeah. By night, it was the haunt of derelicts. And there's many alcoves and little caves and that sort of stuff to conceal drinkers from the winter chill. Oh, okay. McDonald and Greenfield chatted as they shared a bottle of beer on the half-hour walk back to the Domain from the park where they'd been. And they settled into a secluded corner to sit down, drink and chat. The need to kill Greenfield had now become overwhelming, but McDonald controlled his urge until the man had drunk all of the beer and had passed out on the grass. McDonald removed the knife from its sheath, knelt over the sleeping Greenfield and buried the blade into his victim's neck, lifted it and plunged it again and again until Greenfield lay still. The ferocity of the attack had severed the arteries in Greenfield's neck and blood had gone everywhere, but his killer had come prepared. He had worn a light plastic raincoat and had put it on before attacking the unsuspecting Greenfield. Nice. Well, you know, you don't want your suit ruined. Exactly. And you can talk to him about Phil Collins. (laughs) (laughs) And again, this is the 50s. Do you know what I mean? Like you only had, like you had like your really good suit and you had your day-to-day suit. So you, yeah. don't, want, you don't want your, your suit getting soiled. Yeah, it wasn't like fast fashion today where you had your murdering suit. Exactly. Oh, my Lord. But I just, and I like to think that his little poncho had sparkly bits yeah. on it. So it wasn't bad enough that he knelt on top of him and repeatedly stabbed him in the face and neck. The mutilator then removed his victim's trousers and underpants lifted the... Okay, so this is going to get graphic. Mm -hmm. Lifted his testicles and penis and sliced them off at the scrotum with his knife. The mutilator then threw Mr. Greenfield's genitals into nearby Sydney Harbour, wrapped his knife in his raincoat, put it in his bag and walked home. He stopped along the way to wash his face and hands under a tap. That's a fair fucking jump from slashing someone's bike (laughs) tyres. To that. It escalated quickly. It did. It did escalate quickly. I learnt chopsticks on the piano. I'm not going straight to fucking Rachmaninoff. <laughs> wow. Okay. But I, I, so I have a few questions. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, so did he just walk from the baths to Sydney Harbour with, like, a dick and balls in his hand? Is, is there, like, a little Tupperware container you plunk oh, in? When you say Sydney Harbour, I'm not just talking about with the bridges. We're talking about Botany Bay. So the, the okay, whole, so the he whole, walked over to the nearby where the water is. Bloop. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. His I'd... his his mo would change uh, in later things. We'll get to that though. Okay. Because unlike his first murder, this one made the front page. I, I, but I, 
Okay, these are just little technical questions. Yeah. But if you cut off, like, did he cut them off so, like, in one slice, so they're still attached by the skin, or was it three little individual bits? No, from what I can gather, it was a, like, like hold it up tight, one clean shoink. Okay. And you just got to catch what falls out. Oh, okay. Basically. And there, and I, I hate to say this, but there are crime scene photos of this on the internet. So if you are uh, that kind of person who is that way inclined, you can go see it. It's, it's fucking brutal, though. If you want to see, like, dick and balls cut off. Yeah. Oh, no, the crime scene. It's like Jack the Ripper shit. It's pretty bad. Mm. Not that any murder's nice, but, you know. Yeah. So the Herald and the Sun called it the work of a maniac and immediately dubbed him the Mutilator. Yeah. The press weren't actually allowed to print the full extent of Greenfield's injuries, but the rumours were spreading white wildfire. Mm-hmm. The press did say that he had been violently stabbed at least 30 times. Holy shivers. Yeah. And certain parts of his anatomy were found in the harbour by police divers who were searching for the murder weapon. <laughs> so that's like the worst version of the claw machine ever. <laughs> okay, I don't want to... I don't. But you know how bad it is, like, if you're swimming in a pool and suddenly... Shrinkage. No, you see something like a band-aid or something going towards your face. And you're just like, ah! And you just start, like, freaking out. And you're just trying to splash it away. But you inadvertently just the splashes. It's coming closer towards you. I just imagine some 1950s homophobic cop. Just just with these dick and balls, just like, (laughs) just coming like straight for him, like a scene out of Jaws, but with testicles. Yeah, Yeah. it wouldn't have been good. Just like, because, I mean, I guess there was skin. I guess were they just floating around the top? Because I guess a body rises to the top. (laughs) Look, in all honesty, they were probably just washed up on the shore. But how would you not just think that's some splodge? I don't know. <laughs> He's Look, like, I mean, they knew cute. they knew they were looking for a dick and balls. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there's probably there was probably blood drips leading up to the edge. It depends where it was with the Sydney Bats. Like, there's concrete up until the oh. waterline in some parts. Oh, of it. can you imagine the worst thing if you just missed the ocean? Oh. They just like just sploshed on like oh, a rock, like oh. a fucking McDonald's pickled on a window. Yeah, oh. Just, oh, we're never getting that off. No. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, how long do you think that policeman who I'd say I choose to believe that he just had a floating cotton balls like float into his mouth or something uh, and he was like, ah, uh, no, he would have had, <laughs> and then he had to arrest himself for yeah. horror homophobic acts. What are you doing, Gary? Don't ask. Oh my god, why are you putting handcuffs on yourself? Shut up, poofter. <laughs> I touch the dick, Gary. <laughs> I touch the dick. <laughs> You're not coming to footy anymore, are you, Gary? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you have to remember that back in the 1960s, and this was the early 60s, most murders in Australia pretty much would have been attributed to either crimes of passion, revenge, or organised crime. Just dudes bashing their wives pretty is what it would have murders. Been. That was because she didn't shut up. No. Fuck it. That's literally what we have today. Exactly. Nothing's yeah. changed. No. But the police were absolutely puzzled by what had basically driven the murder of this harmless vagrant. The New South Wales government made the unprecedented step of straight away offering a £2,000 reward wow. for information leading to the arrest of the elusive killer. What would that be worth today? £2,000 in yeah. 19... Oh, that's a car, at least. Okay. Yeah. A couple of months later, with no new leads on the case or any at all, Sydney had all but forgotten about the mutilator. 
Police, were, police wound down their investigations and the savage murder of Greenfield had become yet another unsolved crime on the main streets of Sydney. What? When you, so the car went unclaimed? It did, yeah. Can you, <laughs> it's still being offered as a breakfast prize by some shitty radio station probably. I'm just thinking like, because like, we have like, you know, the crime stoppers where they're like, we'll give you, you know, stuff, you know, if you yeah. report crime. Can you imagine how more exciting it would be if they actually did it in with, if you want this lovely deluxe toaster and fryer. <laughs> like it's the price is right. Well, yeah, exactly. You could <laughs> unveil what you could win for snitching. <laughs> I'm waiting for the new Chevy. <laughs> I'll dob him in, but I'm waiting. He's worth more than that. Yeah, he's worth more than a Volkswagen. I'm waiting until I go up to a Camaro, and then I'm totally dobbing that bitch in. Uh, so Sydney had all been forgotten about it, but suddenly a very similar murder took place, and all the MO matched up. No. Yeah. So on the morning of Saturday, November 21, 1961, uh-huh. McDonald had purchased a knife with a six-inch blade from Mick Simmons Sports Store in Sydney's Haymarket District. He told the man behind the counter that he was going fishing. <laughs> but the urges to kill were back, and they were stronger than ever. Yeah. That night, McDonald was walking down South Dowling Street in East Sydney mm-hmm. when he saw 41-year-old Ernest Cobbin staggering towards him. McDonald then lured Cobbin to nearby Moor Park, mm. where they sat in public toilets and drank beer. This is why you don't look at dicks in public toilets. Okay, there just seems to be a lot of, uh, oh yeah, he just lured him to the toilet with the promise of alcohol. Are we sure alcohol was the only thing look, on it, offer? There, there's nothing in what I've read to suggest that they were other gay men. Mm. And look, I mean, imagine how much more horrific that would be if he was targeting other gay men. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. It's already fucked up. But vagrants yeah. were a very easy target and they did want more booze. And you got to yeah. remember, this is when liquor licensing was still really quite strict. Yeah. So if you ran out of booze, you were out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, guess, I guess this is another like reason why married men live longer than single men. <laughs> yeah. Because married men are at home. They're not allowed out to They're be They're not like, out doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so they went to the public toilet and started drinking booze together. And Cobbin thought nothing of it when his new friend put on a raincoat from his bag. What? <gasps> <laughs> he might just be a messy pisser. Who knows? It's literally a scene from American Psycho. Yeah. Now, Cobbin was sitting on the toilet bowl <laughs> having a drink when the first blow from the knife struck him in the throat, severing his jugular vein. Now, McDonald had brought the knife up and into him in a sweeping uppercut motion. Oh, so what? Like up? Standing up and then gook into him, like punching up. Like, oh, like what? Into his jaw? Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> the same way that a fighter delivers the uppercut. <laughs> And it had the desired effect. <laughs> Cobbin's blood sprayed everywhere throughout the urinal, all over McDonald's face, arm, and raincoat. Severely wounded and most likely in shock, Cobbin actually instinctively lifted his arm to try and defend himself, but McDonald kept stabbing, repeatedly wounding him on the arms, neck, face, and chest. And even when Cobbin fell stone dead from the toilet seat, McDonald <gasps> kept up the frenzied attack until blood was splattered over every surface of the toilet cubicle. That's why I hate public toilets. Yeah. You never know what you're stepping in. A, a toilet paper crown is not going to stop you from catching shit in that room. Oh, I don't, because I, every part of this story, like, it's bad enough that they're going to drink in a public toilet, and then you're sitting around drinking in a public toilet. Like, how depressing is your life? And then you die on the floor of a public toilet. Yep. Oh. So with the act done, McDonald pulled Ernest Cobbins' pants and underpants down to his knees, 
once again lifted his penis and testicles, sliced them off with his knife, and put them in a plastic bag and took them with him. When he'd finished, McDonald calmly took off his raincoat, wrapped his knife and plastic bag in it, then put them in his bag and walked out of the toilet. He stopped along the way to once again wash his face and hands under a tap. Back at his flat, the mutilator washed the severed penis and testicles in warm water, put them in a clean plastic bag, and took them to bed with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was the 50s. I mean, what were the other options? Like, I don't know, like heat a brick in the oven and use that to keep your feet warm? Draw a dick and balls on a hot water bottle. Save everyone some fucking grief. (laughs) It's not the same. It's not, no. It's not the same. Oh, my Lord. That's, although, on another note, that is such, that's such a good ad for, like, Ziploc bags. It really is. Like, we'll keep all the juices in. <laughs> what if he wanted the juices to leak? <laughs> the following day, McDonald wrapped the plastic bag and its grisly contents, including the knife and a brick in a newspaper, tied them together with string, and threw them from the Sydney Harbour Bridge into the deepest part of the harbour. This time there would be no evidence for the police to find. So he's had his fun and uh-huh. he's tied it all to a brick and thrown it off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if you stopped that guy on the bridge? What are, you, what are you chucking over there, mate? Littering's a crime. Oh, it's just a knife, a brick, dick and balls in a bag. Yeah. Been just, fishing, have you? Yeah. <laughs> Some interesting looking bait you've got there. <laughs> what are you looking to catch? A serial killer? <laughs> but I mean, it's a dick and a balls. You could yeah. literally just mince it up. I, I mean, I don't, you don't even have to leave your house then. Just get one of those old mincers. We just put yeah. it in and just... Brrr. Well, we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. They're hot dogs. So what do you think his next action was after throwing a dick and balls tied to a brick off the Sydney Harbour Bridge? Oh, brunch? He went to work because <laughs> he was a good employee. <laughs> went back to his job sorting letters under his alias of Alan Brennan. Excellent. What a, what a model employee. Well, you know, rain, hail or shine, they will deliver. Exactly. <laughs> Your cock and balls in a Ziploc bag. Yeah, that dolphin got the wrong package from Amazon, didn't it? <laughs> oh, oh. What the fuck? I, I ordered a life-size blow-up man doll. <laughs> Meanwhile, while he was at his work, uh-huh. the headlines in the newspapers blazed, Mutilator Strikes Again. The police had actually received a phone call at 5.30 in the morning and a horse man's voice, not a horse man, but like, the horse man. Not like, nay! <laughs> a man with a horse voice uh-huh. had said, there's a murdered man in the toilet up in Moor Park opposite the Batten Bowl Hotel. How ironic. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, just rub it in. <laughs> oh, oh dearie me. And he hung up never to be identified. Mm -hmm. The horror that the police had confronted at the scene was unimaginable. Cobbin had been stabbed 50 times. His genitals were missing. Holy shit. And in the minds of Sydney's toughest detectives, there were no doubt that even if someone had walked in and interrupted the crime, they too would have been stabbed to death. A madman was on the loose. And no one was safe. Can you imagine? Because like you've you've really got to need to shit to consider taking a shit in a public toilet in a park where that's happening. <laughs> you just walk in, you're like, oh shit. Oh, there's no QR check in for COVID. Now I got to deal with this. <laughs> oh, Fuck this bullshit. I know. This is none of those little paper coverings. So you just look straight ahead. You don't fucking see any of this shit. <laughs> no one has to get upset. Oh my God, how many crimes you've actually accidentally witnessed over your life? <laughs> this is the thing. 
once again, the police couldn't find a single clue. There were no fingerprints. and like He'd even taken the bottles they were using to drink with him. Yeah, well, you so, know, he's yeah. a clever man. Yeah, so not crimes of passion. Something's tipped him over into this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, outside of his mysterious assailant, Cobbin really didn't have an enemy in the world. And the police, they, they had to go to all sorts of different lengths. They started staking out public toilets, mm-hmm. well-known derelict haunts. I mean, they probably got a lot of gay men. So, yes, <laughs> well done, 1950s homophobes. Undercover police would disguise themselves as vagrants. <laughs> we, you can always spot at the fake fucking vagrant. <laughs> Pardon me, sir, would you happen to have $50 that I might be able to have to imbibe some uh, fortified wine tonight? <laughs> what are you looking at, you white maggot dog? Yeah. Fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. It just, that's not going to be one of the good parts of no. the... But they, they impersonated vagrants and hung out in wine bars all day. That's got to be one of the better assignments. Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah, wait, you need someone to hang out in bars look for the <laughs> killer. Wink, wink. <laughs> I found 15 women who were prepared to sleep with me, but unfortunately, no killers. Yeah. <laughs> it's best I take them home just to be sure. Now, police even went down the, the even more desperate route of issuing a false like paper trail. And they actually issued a statement that said the police believe that their pressure is forcing this murderer into the open and that he could now strike at anyone at any time. We feel that any man who is alone in a lonely street or park for more than 10 minutes could be murdered and mutilated by this maniac. We believe he is a psychopathic homosexual who is killing to satisfy some <laughs> twisted urge. <laughs> And of course, there's one men's rights activist just going, I should be able to walk in a park anytime I want. <laughs> oh my God, there's a part of me. And as much as what he's doing is absolutely horrible, yeah. there's a part of me like, oh my God, men can't go out alone. Yeah. You're not allowed in parks. You can't be out at night. You can't drink or you're asking for it. There's just yeah. a part of me that as a woman is just like, how are you dressed? I was wearing a long coat, my own feces, and a newspaper for a blanket. Fuck you. Dirty whore. Did you verbally say no? Did, did you, you? Did you walk along with your keys between your fingers ready to punch him? I don't have any keys. I'm fucking homeless. <laughs> but let me, let, me, let me get this straight. You are single, right? <laughs> so you're single. So kind of, what were the vibes that you were sending out? Were you sending out a single vibe? Oh, I was giving out a vibe that I was homeless and needed a drink. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, see, there you go. A lot of mixed signals. You can see how someone could be confused, you know. <laughs> yeah. Misinterpret that. Yeah. Oh, you know. Well, you know, if you're going to walk around late at night, you've got to take some of the responsibility, yeah. don't you? Hey, yeah. thinking you can just walk around. You've got to walk around in homeless groups now. Oh, Lord. Now, as the months passed, police had to concede that they were no closer to catching the mutilator than they were when Greenfield's body was discovered near the Domain Baths. But where and when he would strike again? They could only wait and see. Now, a huge part of this was police incompetence towards the end. No. So let's just just focus on that as we get into... the other thing as well is, why did they assume he was a homosexual? Was it because he was Because he was prepared to touch a dick. Okay. That's why. No fucking sane Christian man's going to touch another man's balls. Maybe it was an angry woman. Why did they never consider that? Because she wasn't in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was the 50s, yeah. <laughs> yes, crime didn't happen in the kitchen. It's clearly not a woman. <laughs> More on that later. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. So we start to ponder the question, who was the mutilator? Because after he er- murdered Ernest Cobbin, 
McDonald's rage had subsided, and he went about his life as usual. He'd read every newspaper a story about his exploits and had great difficulty understanding that he was reading about himself. Okay. Yeah. Disassociating? Oh, okay. Man, I've had reviews about my comedy before, and I'm just like, that's not me. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> I've seen so, I've seen some of your earlier jokes, and I'm like, is that the John Brooks? <laughs> as you fist yourself as a vagina. <laughs> That's like, not that early. Is that the John Brooks I know? <laughs> that was a very complex night. <laughs> <laughs> it was as if another person was doing all these dreadful things, and McDonald was merely the onlooker. At least that's the way it's been written about, and it frightened him. Now, here's the perverse part, because he would join in with his workmates' discussions about the mysterious mutilator and would listen to their theories of what type of person he might be. And William would secretly get upset when they referred to the murderer as a queer and a sexual deviant. He knew different. Just imagine how that chant went, you know? Oh, he's fucking touching balls, mate. What, yeah. what do you think, William? What do you think, Mr. McDonald, you little ball toucher? Do you think, do you think that was you? <laughs> But it's touch balls, it's wrong with it. Just so we had a little touch, a little poke, doesn't mean anything, something wrong with that. Like No one touched my lunch. It's got a plastic bag in there that you don't want to open. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. For a time, McDonald actually thought that his workmates suspected him of being the mutilator. And again, we'll come back to that. Oh. <laughs> but it was really his own paranoia. The thought of giving himself up to police had also crossed his mind, but he had to admit that he enjoyed Killing too much. Ooh. I know. This is, this is the problem with a lot of these Australian things. They're not too well written about, so I've got to kind of go with what's been written. But, I mean, it's it's like anything, you know. It's like, you know, it's you with your, you know, you make a little bit of chilli sauce in a, in, a, in a pot and you're like, oh, this is kind of, this is not bad. And <laughs> then you, you buy a bigger pot and then you make more chilli sauce. And then the next thing you know, you're starting a business. Yeah. And, oh, my God, it's hundreds of bottles of, it escalates, man. It does. Yeah. And I don't see how that's in any way transferable. <laughs> it escalates. You know, it does. You, you never plan out. You never set out planning to be the Melbourne <laughs> marauder mutilator cutting off dick and balls. But no. you know, but what sort of but just I, happens? I, to I get could make a hotter chili sauce and ruin men's anuses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Few people, I've seen a few people in a gay bar that thought I was going to ruin their anus. You are a big bear. I am a bear. Yeah. A very, very scary bear. As the months went by, the urge to kill again was rising. Whoa. Urge to kill, rising. I'm not going to take Homer Simpson's job with that either. You're safe to mudge you. <laughs> On the morning of Saturday, March 31, 1962, McDonald again purchased a long-bladed razor-sharp sheath knife from Mick Simmons' sports store, and he packed it in his bag with his new raincoat and another plastic bag. It was raining slightly that night, and McDonald was wearing his raincoat. At 10pm, he left the Oxford Hotel in Darlinghurst and followed one Frank McLean down Burke Street and passed the Darlinghurst Police Station. McDonald struck up a conversation with the drunken McLean and suggested that they turn into Burke Lane to have a drink. Oh, God. As they rounded the unlit corner, the mutilator pounced and plunged his knife deep into McLean's throat. Now, McLean was a tall, thin man, well over six foot tall, and mm. McDonald's a little fella. Mm-hmm. So he could have easily been taken by, you know, by McLean had he not been so drunk. Mm-hmm. Now, McLean felt the knife sink deep into the throat, but he started to resist. The mutilator stabbed him again in the face, 
and as McLean, McLean fell trying to protect himself, the mutilator punched him, forcing him off his balance, and as he fell to the ground, the mutilator was on him. He was stabbed about the head, neck, throat, face, and chest until he was dead. This is on a side street just next to the Darlinghurst Police Station. Saturated in McLean's blood, William dragged the body a few metres further into the lane, lowered his victim's trousers, slicing the knife from the bottom in an upward stroke, removed McLean's genitals. In a street. On a side note, yeah. in Adelaide, uh, one of our police stations, yeah. the side street that runs along the uh, police station, it's a lane. Yeah. Uh, the cop shop is right off Bent Lane. <laughs> there you go. Nice padding. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time that McDonald was actually was frightened to get caught in the act. Oh, what? Do we get out the front of a police I station? Know. What? <laughs> I know. So he'd only done this a few yards from the busy Burke Street. And as he put the genitals in a plastic bag, he feared that someone might see him because he'd already heard voices and a baby crying as people walked past the entrance to the laneway. That'd make a baby cry. That would, yeah. Hell of a fucking circumcision. (laughs) Circumcision's gone wrong. (laughs) Very wrong. (laughs) Now, he expected in his paranoia a police car or anyone else to pull up, but his luck held. The mutilator peeked around the laneway and satisfied that no one was coming, wrapped his knife in the plastic bag and in the raincoat, put it all in his bag and strolled down Burke Street. He even took the bottle of sweet sherry that he and McLean had been drinking because it was covered in fingerprints. Leave no man behind. Exactly. Yeah. He passed several people on Burke Street, but they paid him no attention. For the fourth, third or fourth time now, the mutilator William McDonald had escaped as if he was invisible. Back at his room, he once again washed the contents of the plastic bag, put them in a clean plastic bag, and again the next day threw them off the Sydney Harbour Bridge into the deepest part of the harbour. Oh my God. How f- I never realised the Sydney Harbour was so full of dicks. <laughs> Have you ever been to Maroubra? I was like, going to say, there's a lot of dicks around them. I didn't realise there was so many in the friggin'. Oh my. And I mean, the other thing is, if you're getting really angry that people are describing you in the papers as like, you know, like you've got like a big, you know, f- you know, freaky, weird, uh, you know, stop taking the dick and balls, mate. Yeah, pretty much. Do you know, like, you just change, mix your MO, like take a nose or someone. Then no one's like, ooh, it's a sex thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a couple of toes or something. Just you're going prized for like the the sexy time stuff. Of course, people are going to think it's sex related. Yeah. Now, the police were actually quite responsive this time. They were so organised in their hunt for the mutilator that within 30 minutes, oh, sorry, within minutes, there were 30 detectives at the murder scene. Which was literally outside their front door. They were too busy impersonating vagrants in pubs. <laughs> Ironically, there was no one at the police station. (laughs) Now, the murders were unprecedented in Australian history. The police couldn't recall a more violent or sickening crime, presumably because people were still turning a blind eye to what was happening to the Aborigines. Yeah. One theory was that the murderer was a deranged surgeon. (laughs) Yeah, very deranged. (laughs) No, because a surgeon would never do it for free. No. (laughs) If it was a surgeon, there'd be a bill written. We know what happens when a surgeon in Australia becomes deranged. They buy the Sydney Swans and give Warwick Kappa pink shorts. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the removal of McLean's genitals had been done with a scalpel or so, by someone with years of surgical experience, the experts said. Doctors now found themselves under investigation. Police, desperate to catch the mutilator... We're now impersonating doctors. (laughs) No, this is even worse. They even turned to clairvoyance in their search. And the most notorious notorious fortune teller at the time was King's Cross Identity, identity, Mm. Rosaline Norton, who claimed to be in touch with the mutilator when she had her daily chats with the devil. Why, Um, Why would you talk to Satan daily? Um, yeah, oh my god, I mean... I'm okay, mum, I'm alright. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, I mean like... Yes, you know. I'm eating my vegetables. <laughs> Fuck, mum. Satanism is great, but the amount of admin that I have to do, <laughs> oh my god. It's all contracts. Oh my god, contract, 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 oh my god. Like, I've got to sign in, I've got to clock in every hour, clock... Yeah, seriously, what are you talking to the devil about in 1950s Australia that needs a daily checkup? Yeah. So the police phones ran hot. Houses were raided on even the slightest suspicion that the mutilator might be hiding there. Night shelters, hostels, everything. They were all checked. Nothing. Well, aren't we at this stage where we're, we're looking for a homeless surgeon? <laughs> is, that what was that? is that genuinely what they've narrowed it down to? A homeless surgeon? Yeah. This is like, this is like bad improv stuff. What am I? You're a homeless surgeon. Yes, and oh, God. <laughs> you like picking up genitals. There we go. <laughs> Ziploc bag. Use a prop. What? Still the mutilator eluded police. And by now, the dossier that they had on him was an inch thick. That's always a sign of a good document. It's thick. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it's police officers. <laughs> they were prepared to try anything, including they got in touch with Interpol to see if they could get some hits on similar crimes that had happened overseas. Mm-hmm. This led them to investigating the whereabouts of an American soldier who had been charged with the identical murder of a 13-year-old boy in Germany. Oh. Uh, and they also ended up questioning a 23-year-old German immigrant. Mm. Uh, both of these proved fruitless, of course. Mm-hmm. The reward was increased to a staggering £10,000. That's a house. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, but are we talking like a house... Like by Sydney Harbour, or are we talking like about a house in like oh, Fitzroy? Ten thousand pounds. That would have been a good house. Back good then. house. Okay. Yeah. 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 In the meantime, things were not going quite so well for McDonald in his private life. What? Oh, no. No. You would think this what? guy maintains really good relationships. Yeah, drinking with hobos in the park, living <laughs> in a bedsit with genitals in a bag. Man's a catch. <laughs> So that's the worst version of a Bon Jovi song. I got old balls for a pillow. <laughs> and the earth was last night's beard. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. Cutting off dicks in a blaze of glory. Oh. That is literally what that song is about. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so in a totally unrelated incident to the murders, he'd had a severe falling out with his landlord. And in the same week... He'd gotten, no pun intended, the sack <laughs> from his mail sorting job. What? <laughs> Let's face it, he did sort mails and take their sacks. Yeah, anyway. But Yeah. Oh. McDonald, though, had saved a lot of his money over the years and decided to go into business for himself. And this is where shit gets fucked up. Ow. And police incompetence is next fucking level. Okay, this, I, when I was reading this, I just could I'm, not I'm fucking... I'm so excited. Okay, 
Let me let me guess. I'm just, what, what, what do you think his business you think he's going into? Oh, oh my god! There's so many options going through my head. Um, oh my god. Um, well, we know that he loves wearing like a raincoat. Yeah. So, traveling lollipop. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, Taylor. It's not a bad guess. Yeah. Good Ooh. with scissors. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, uh, cookie maker. Cookie maker. Cookie maker. Like he makes biscuits. Yeah, like the Cookie Man. Okay. Otherwise, you'd be like, "Are you going to settle on one?" The story of the Cookie Man. <laughs> um, okay, no, I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with Taylor. Okay. Yeah. So he'd saved a lot of money mm. and still using the assumed name of Alan Edward Brennan. Mm. He paid twelve eleven hundred and twenty pounds for a mixed business in Birdwood, so a corner deli, like a corner shop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God! Do not eat the luncheon meat in his little shop. He made sandwiches. <gasps> no. And used a variety of small goods. No. <laughs> no. No. The shop was also an agency for a dry cleaning company. <gasps> McDonald loved it. He had no landlord standing over him. He didn't have to answer to anyone and he lived above the business. And he already knew how to get blood out. He most certainly did. So... When the urge to kill came again, the mutilator didn't have to worry about the risk of being caught in a public place. He could bring his victims home with him. (gasps) Now, the urge to kill once again got the best of him one night in early November 1962 Mm -hmm. when McDonald went to a wine saloon called the Wine Palace in the heart of downtown Sydney looking for a victim. Mm -hmm. There, he met 42-year-old James Hackett, a petty thief and derelict who had only been out of jail for a couple of weeks. Oh. McDonald okay. took Hackett back to his new residence and continued drinking until Hackett passed out on the floor. Mm-hmm. The mutilator used a knife from his delicatessen oh. to stab the sleeking Hackett. Oh. On the first plunge, however, the long knife went straight through Hackett's neck, but incredibly, he woke up and shielded the next blow with his arm, thus oh. diverting the knife into the mutilator's other hand cutting him badly. No. With blood pouring from the wound, McDonald unleashed a renewed homicidal rage on Hackett. He brought the knife down hard with both hands, plunging it through Hackett's heart, killing him instantly. The floor was awash with blood, but still the mutilator attacked Hackett where he lay. Oh my, you never do it in your own home. I'm just saying it's gonna, you're gonna, just the rugs, man. Listen to this. Oh, no. He sat in pools of blood beside the body, puffing and panting. Blood was everywhere. It was splattered all over the walls and ceiling and was pooling on the floor. The mutilator bandaged his hand with a dirty dishcloth and set about removing Hackett's genitals. But the knife was now blunt and bent from the ferocity of the attack. Too exhausted to go down to the shop to get another one, the mutilator sat down covered in head to toe with blood and he fell asleep after stabbing the penis a few times and making some more <laughs> cuts around the testicles. Take that penis! Yeah. Eh, 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 so a few more. Stab, stab. Nighty-night little dick. Stab, stab, stab. The next morning... <sighs> remember, he runs a corner shop. Uh-huh. The next morning, the mutilator woke to find himself covered in sticky, half-dry blood. He was still lying next to his victim... The pools of blood had soaked through the floorboards and were now dripping onto the counters of the shop. McDonald had a bath, cleaned himself up and went to the hospital where he had some stitches put in his hand. He told the doctor that he had cut himself in the shop. 
it took McDonald the best part of the entire day to clean the mess. Oh, this is why you don't kill people in your own house. Don't shit where you eat. Exactly. Oh, my God. And the rugs. You were never getting that out. You'd no. never get blood out. No. Well, not even the rugs. Listen to this. The huge pool of blood on the linoleum couldn't be scrubbed out, so we had to tear up the linoleum off the floor, break it into bits, and throw it out. He also removed all of Hackett's bloodied clothing, leaving only the socks. McDonald then <laughs> One dragged. Last indignity. Oh, no, just his socks. <laughs> he then dragged the dead and naked Hackett underneath his shop and left him there. After a few hours, he went back to the body and dragged it a little further into the foundations of the building until he jammed it into a remote corner of the brickwork, out of view and almost impossible to see. McDonald left all of Hackett's bloodied clothing with the corpse. Now, surely. This is too hard to get away with. Well, uh, no. Are you going to tell me that like he sat there for like the next like twenty years or something? You are not going to believe this guy's luck. Oh, because he's already gotten away scot free with one murder. Is did like an earthquake happen that just happened to like suck up that corner of his house oh, or something? Something far more fortunate than that. Police incompetence. Oh my lord. William panicked when he finally sat down and thought about what he'd done. No shit! He thought the police would come to look for Hackett, and only a few of the bloodstains had come off the walls, and there was still blood all over the floorboards. Oh, God. If police ever came to ask him questions, he'd be caught, no doubt about it. And then there was the cab driver who had driven them to the shop on the night of the murder. What? He would surely remember them. What? No! Yeah. No, this is murdering one-on-one. Don't get it. Don't get an uber to take you and your victim back to your own house and then stab him on your own floor this is just pure hubris isn't it oh my lord it's just like he doesn't even care anymore so what do you think he did next oh did he burn the shop down panicked and terrified mcdonald packed a bag caught a train to brisbane where he moved into a boarding house dyed his graying hair black grew a mustache and assumed the name alan mcdonald he literally fucked off out of sydney (laughs) Yeah, okay. Every day, he bought the Sydney newspapers expecting to read of the murder of Hackett and how police were looking for a man named Brennan in connection to the mutilated murders. But as the days turned into weeks and months, there was no mention of anybody or any search for the missing Brennan. McDonald was beside himself with worry. Had police found the body and set a trap for him? Would they knock on his door at any minute? The mystery was driving him crazy. Well, he didn't know it. He didn't have to worry a bit because he'd been declared legally dead. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Did he? Uh, did the police assume he somehow tripped and fell onto his own knife and then dragged himself like a dog to the bottom of his house and died? Not even that plausible. Wait till you hear this. Oh, God. So <laughs> no one was looking for a dead man. So after a few days, McDonald left for Brisbane. Customers wanting to pick up their dry cleaning had become concerned that there was no one in the shops. Uh-huh. The neighbours had assumed that the nice Mr. Brennan had left without telling anyone. After three weeks, a putrefying smell was coming from the vicinity of the empty shop, and after a month, the smell was so overwhelming that neighbours called the health department, which in turn got the police to break in the door. The smell in the shop was hideous. It led police to the rotting body of Hackett. The corpse was so badly decomposed and mauled by rats that it was impossible to identify. Oh, God, no. 
The police bundled it into an ambulance, sent it to the morgue, where the body was found to be so putrid, so putrid, that the mortician carried out an autopsy in a shed behind the hospital. (laughs) Okay, so when you say autopsy in a shed out the back of the hospital, do you mean a porter poked it with a stick? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> this is some standby me shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Just, dead body. Definitely dead. Yeah. The only thing they could determine was that it was a male aged about 40, about the same age as the missing Brennan. Oh, no. Or McDonald, as he was really called. So at this stage, police assumed it was the body of the missing shop proprietor who had crawled under his shop for reasons unknown, only to electrocute himself. Police had no reason to suspect foul play. What about all the blood splattered on the wall, the ripped up linoleum, the blood smeared clothes? Yeah. himself on what? According to the police, it was an accidental death. (laughs) The body was buried at a pauper's grave (laughs) under the name of Edward Allen Brennan. He was was naked. He was naked naked. except for socks. The the floor above was soaked in blood. There was a bent knife. The linoleum had been ripped up. His blood-soaked clothes were next to him. Why? Why? No. (laughs) Crawls under the house going, oh, I've I've done the wiring. Oh, now I've climbed in here. I better take all of my clothes off, except for my socks, and start gnawing on the wiring. Yeah. I don't know. They might do things differently in Sydney. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody gets naked to rewire. No, they do not. I mean, I'm not a qualified sparky, but I'm pretty sure lesson one is not get your kit off. Yeah. You know, is it a live wire? I don't know. Maybe put your dick on it. That's not that's not wiring one on one. See, this is why they don't let women be electricians. <laughs> we can't test the wires. What do you test the wires with? What do you use a moldy meter? Where's your dick? <laughs> Just, I guess if you had one of those Audi clits, you could yeah, do it. True. Just get it out there. Pop, Pop it out. Here's to all the Audis out there. Hey. Good on you. Keep rocking it in the free world. <laughs> Overrepresented in porn. Yeah, I they think. are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same with the, well, the outer libs as well. You got outies and innies. Yeah, yeah. outies are definitely overrepresented. I think. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Nothing wrong with that. Like I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like you go, girls. You know, I'm just saying. We're big fans of vaginas here. Yeah. Woo. Absolutely. Yeah. So the only person in this whole schmozzle that wasn't entirely satisfi- satisfied with the police investigation, funnily enough, uh-huh. was the coroner. Oh, God. Okay. Mr. F.E. Cox, who quizzed the police. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's the one person who couldn't be removed. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> oh, tell us more, Mr. Cox. So these, these guys must have been involved in the JFK investigation, <gasps> seriously. Ah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, but, oh! So it, it, it's clearly natural causes, but his clothes are off. Well, well clearly he, you know, he didn't want to get them like dirty. I once saw a Disney cartoon where a rat got electrocuted and his bones jumped out of his body. I think that's what we're seeing here. <laughs> Write to Mister Disney and see where he came up with the theory for the for the magic bone rat. That's his <laughs> name, Steamboat Willie, Magic Bone Rat. Magic Bone Rat. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ironically, that's the nickname for the <laughs> for the marauder as well. <laughs> so the, the coroner began to quiz the police. And he listened as they told him that the body was ne- was naked except for a pair of socks. When you say he quizzed them, yeah. was the quizzing along the lines of, are you fucking stupid? What no. do you mean? I think he when you, it's like, naked electrocuted himself. I think it's when you're dealing with someone with a serious intellectual disability and you don't want to talk down to them. You're okay. like, now you say it was accidental. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Now he, he's been eaten by rats, but his clothes were off. Mm. His penis was removed and he's mm. been stabbed. Mm. Are you sure it was the electricity? Yeah. Pretty much like that. So, Mr. Cox listened as the police told him that the body was near naked except for a pair of socks and that there was no reason that they should suspect foul play. <laughs> police told oh, Mr. Cox... Can I say the other thing that you can take from this is do not ask any of them policemen to come around and do some odd jobs for your house because the next... Thing you know, there they are. Just kit off, okay? Just in their socks, poking around at your wiring. Nobody wants that, all right? Get a qualified electrician. <laughs> they leave their clothes on. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, unlike plumbers. <laughs> That'd but. be in your card. <laughs> oh, we should get this one, honey. It says he leaves his pants on. <laughs> so the police had told Mr. Cox that fingerprints had been taken, but they failed to match up with anyone on records. Now, remember, this guy had been out of prison for two weeks. Oh. <sighs> So they haven't checked real fucking hard. Oh, God. <laughs> now, the government medical officer would testify that there were no broken bones and that the death had occurred at least a fortnight before he examined it. What Mr. Cox wasn't told was mm. that police didn't find it unusual that the singlet found alongside the body had dozens of knife cuts in it oh. and there were large blood stains on the floor, oh. mattress, <laughs> and the apartment above. <laughs> what does it take? What? <laughs> Take for them to think this was a murder. Now, this is some fucking bush fucking Sherlock Holmes has walked in and just gone, I know what's happened here, boys. He's had an argument with the missus. She's clearly got her period. <laughs> He's come downstairs to work on the electricity. It's a bit hot. He's cut some ventilation in his shirt. That hasn't worked out, so he's got naked like a man. Yeah. And he's done some wiring with his teeth. It's all backfired. Let's arrest the wife. Oh, my God, it is 1950s justice. <laughs> Seriously, what did you have to do to like get like arrested for murder in the fifties? <laughs> Fucking, I don't know. Oh my god! So even without the knowledge of all these incredible oversights, Mister Cox wasn't convinced. What? And returned an open verdict that said it seems extraordinary that the body of Mister Brennan should have been found in the position and the condition in which it was found. <laughs> According to the evidence, the deceased had neither his trousers on, nor his boots, shoes, or singlet. But he should have his socks. He had his socks his on. Socks, it's clearly a man. I could see how you'd be like, nah, this sounds like something a man would do. Well, I'm always going to the toilet just in my socks. Yeah. Todger out, socks on, though. <laughs> so you know I'm a man. What <laughs> Okay. So, the coroner would then insist that perhaps he was the victim of foul play. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, no. I don't know what gave it away. So, this is the, the other thing. When his workmates at the Postmaster General found out about his death, they collected a whole bunch of money and bought a wreath and had a service for him. They're like, oh, poor poor little Alan. We picked on him a bit. and <laughs> you know, They've had a little funeral for him. <laughs> Oh, no. 
So if he'd never gone back to Sydney, yeah. which, spoiler alert, he fucking did, oh. he probably would have got away with it. Yeah, but by, by that point, I can see why you'd be like, the cops are so fucking stupid. Exactly. Like, I've, I've, I've murdered a bloke and chopped his bloke, his, his, like, his dick off, literally right at their front door. Um, I've, like, I've stabbed a dude, like, 50 times. I just shoved him in the corner of my house, which I caught an Uber to. Blood speed everywhere. Yeah. And they're like, oh, clearly accidental death. <laughs> I could see why he's a bit cocky at this stage. That and he literally sleeps with 20 cocks at night <laughs> in a bag. So... Mm-hmm. Unaware that he was supposedly dead and buried, oh, William McDonald stayed for a short time longer in Brisbane before going to New Zealand, still in the belief that police were looking for him. But as the urge to kill was still with him, it was getting stronger every day. For some reason, he had to do these murders in Sydney. There oh, was just okay. something about Sydney. Okay. I mean, I, I don't particularly like Sydney as well. It doesn't make me want to kill people. No, but is, do you know what I mean? Like, people who live in Sydney are very funny about Sydney. It's like the people who live in Melbourne are very funny about Melbourne. It's like the people who live in New York are very funny about New York. You know, they're all like, it's the centre of the universe. Like, yeah. so. Yeah, Sydney's very expensive and needs a good wash, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah, Mm. anyway. Mm. You know what it's like? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a homeless surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yes. Picture this. He's okay. gone to Auckland. He's off scot-free. Okay. For some reason, he's like, really wouldn't mind going back to Sydney to do some more dick chopping. Oh, so he's jumped on a boat. Oh, God. He's gone back to Sydney. Mm. And what should happen? Oh, God. But he's walking along. <laughs> oh, my God. Does he run into, like, his mates from the post office? He's walking down George Street when he literally, cartoon style, bumps into one of the guys who organised the funeral wreaths for him. <laughs> No. Yep. <laughs> no. What are the chances? Like Sydney's like our biggest city. What are the chances? Why would you go back to the place where you used to fucking hang out? Oh my! Was he going back to? He was probably going to go and open up his shop. Probably just open up back for business. So he bumped into his old work colleague John McCarthy. <laughs> no. <laughs> McCarthy apparently nearly died of shock. Well, yeah. As he had no idea that the he murdered Hackett had been buried as the missing Brennan. Now, he actually looked to him and said, you're supposed to be dead. And McDonald went, what do you mean? And then McDonald looked at him and ran away because <laughs> he figured it out. He figured out what had happened. <laughs> but if you're alive, who's the body under your shop? It's twigged. He's fucked off. Oh, my God. But not even, you, if someone says you're supposed to be dead, you tell, you're like, oh, yeah, I am. Ooh. Like, don't just like... What do you mean? What a weird fucking conversation to have with an old work colleague. <laughs> like, this is how mine all go. Hey, John, how you going? Yeah, I'm all right. I make chili sauce now. Are you still trying out comedy? Oh, yeah, it's more of a hobby than anything else. Good to hear. Good to hear. How's your son? That's pretty much how it goes. It doesn't yeah. go, you're meant to be dead. <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean? Well, if you're not dead, who's the body under your shop? Bring! <laughs> <laughs> Run away! <laughs> Uh, that night, he was on the train to Melbourne. <laughs> McCarthy went to the police, but they didn't believe him, and they told him that he just had a drink with a dead man. What? So, you just had a drink with a dead man? What does that mean? I just read that wrong. <laughs> he just said, no, I've just run into a dead man. They told him to go home and sleep it off because he had been drinking. Ah, uh, okay. 
Yeah. See, so, that's why if he went with my "Ooh, I am," he might have got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> the following day, he went back and told them the same story. Oh. They said he was crazy, and in desperation, John McCarthy rang the newspaper, the Daily Mirror, and mm. spoke to renowned crime reporter Joe Morris. I've listened to the story before in interviewing him, and he didn't sound crazy to me, Morris recalled. Of course, newspapers would print fucking anything. Yeah, like, yeah. So, they actually uh, ran the story, and they called it the case of the walking corpse. Oh, there we go. Now, as a direct result of the sighting, Mm. the intense media interest surrounding the case, the police were forced to reopen the investigation. Funnily enough, following closer scrutiny of the clothes found beside the dead man revealed the number 162, 1262 written in indelible ink on the coat sleeve that was the garment which was supplied to him upon his release from Long Bay Jail. He literally still had his fucking prison shirt on and they didn't even check the number on the inside of the sleeve. I love the fact that on closer inspection, what you actually looked at it with your (laughs) eyes open. (laughs) Yeah, upon inspection. Yeah. Oh, by the way, do you know what he'd been in Long Bay Jail for, for his 10-day sentence? Oh, touching a dick? Foul language. He did 10 days in Long Bay for foul language. Get the fuck out. Yep. Get the fuck out. Foul language. Yep. Was, was that, I mean, it was the 50s. It could be, he could have literally besmirched like somebody, like a rich man's chicken. Yeah. Like, <laughs> foul language for foul language. 10 days in prison. Got him 10 days in prison and arguably put him on his path to being murdered by this guy. Okay, how would it work? Would you get like a day per swear word or if it was a really bad swear word? It's not demolition, man. Finger bottom to get like two days. Your mother's cunning. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. And then as he was arrested, he was like, cunt bullshit. And like the days just kept like adding up. Yeah, maybe. And then he looked at a dick and then that was that. (laughs) That's life. Clearly that's life. Ten days. Yeah, the 1950s were harsh. They were fucked up, yeah. Ten days for cussing, two years for glancing a dick. Yeah. Fucking hell. So at this point, an embarrassed police commissioner was forced to exhume the corpse and give it closer examination, which revealed the stab wounds. This is after he's been buried. Stab wounds and the mutilation to Hackett's penis and testicles. They haven't even fucking looked. (sighs) They discovered the body of Petty Thief. They even managed to identify him from his fingerprints this time. Well, men really won't look at the dick, will they you? Really? I can't believe how did they not even notice? Like that, the, like his dick had been stabbed multiple times and cut off. Like, how do you not? I don't know. Like, I mean, I know when you start to decompose, it's pretty gross. But surely, you'd be like, mm, there doesn't seem to be a lump there. Yeah, it should be something. A couple of roast soggy potatoes. Yep. So after this, oh. there's media blitz. It's all gone crazy. The police have been forced to reopen the investigation. They've then bothered to speak to the shopkeeper who has the next door shop, who says he saw Brennan and another man going in the night before. <sighs> and police were finally forced to admit that belatedly they were onto the mutilator. At this point... After they had pronounced him dead and buried him. <laughs> yep, with zero investigation. Now, it was at this point that John McCarthy, the man who worked at Postmaster General, who bumped into mm. 
William in the street, yeah, having organised his fucking wreath ceremony and stuff like that, gave what could only be described as one of the better identical drawings that you can imagine. So the police have literally been handed this. Okay. Now I'm going to show you the pictures. That were, okay. These are the actual identical drawings. Can I say, I also just had this image of like when they had to go back and do another investigation, they found out <laughs> the delicatessen like didn't even have electricity. It was all run on gas. <laughs> Probably. The candles there gave it away. <laughs> exactly. Just, oh my God. Okay. All right, so, so here's the identical photos. Okay, well, yeah, okay. They're well, really good. Well, that bottom one, he looks like, what's his name? He looks from, like Yellow Bastard from Sin City, but... Oh, no, I was going to say from Beavis and Butthead. What's the one with the really tall head? <laughs> yeah, he does look like Beavis. But the top one... Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I would... Like, yeah, not the bottom one, but the top one, definitely. So, the, their that's, work has been done for That's them. a spot on... Yeah, that's pretty good as far as... Yeah. Like, instead of your version of the Bunyip, fucking dodgy ass. Yeah. So there you go. They got the identical. It was circulated to every mm. single newspaper in the nation. Meanwhile, McDonald had taken a job on the railways in Melbourne. Mm. And even though he had dyed his hair and had a light moustache, there was no mistaking that he was the missing Brennan. Oh, God. Brennan's new workmates were onto him in a flash. How ironic. <laughs> and he asked the police station, he asked the, the station master where he was working for his pay mm. for the three days that he had worked. But the police were already swooping and arrested the little man who brought Australia's biggest city to its knees. Wow. Now, McDonald uh-huh. didn't oppose his trial or any of his extradition to Sydney, and he just admitted to it straight away. And the thing that struck people was they were expecting the Sydney mutilator to be this big hulking brute mm-hmm. who could bring down a man. This little five-foot-tall squit of a bloke yeah. gets off the plane, mild-mannered, softly spoken. No one could believe it. It's that it's that old adage. It's not yeah. the size of the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog. Exactly. So he pleaded not guilty on the basis of insanity, but he didn't dispute that the crimes happened, mm-hmm. which led to one of the more sensational trials Australia's mm-hmm. ever seen. Was it because a lot of it because it was literally done in his house with the blood, like <laughs> yeah. with their dicks in his bed. Mind you, with Sydney police, he'd still probably get Yeah, away. he'd probably still. Yeah. I mean, after repairing the house wiring, he went to sleep with the balls that his wife had taken from him metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. So during the trial, yeah. he testified how he had stabbed one of his victims in the neck 30 times and then removed the man's penis and testicles with the same knife. A woman in the jury fainted. He then ordered that McDonald continue his evidence after that jury had been excused from the rest of the trial. Oh, what the hell? Yep. Oh, my God. They were also repulsed when they found out what he did with those genitals when he returned to his lodgings, which they didn't include in any of the research I could find. Well, actually, it sounds like it. I mean, he, you know, he washed them up, put them in a fresh bag. Yeah. You know? What, are you saying he did something... I don't know, he might have had like that... Sexual? Maybe like that scene them? from The Simpsons, like the, the fucking um, famous... Uh, like finger puppets? <laughs> Close <laughs> to, do, 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 you know, the fucking uh, Charlie Chaplin thing with the bread rolls. <laughs> on, the, on the forks. <laughs> oh, my God. See, in my mind, and it wouldn't work because it wasn't then, but if it, if it happened today, I would presume that he just put a little cut in... His singlet and was reenacting that scene from Alien. Yeah. With a chest burster. That's what I'd be doing. Now, the jury, mm. although this was never made public, mm. found that William mm. 
was sane at the time of the murders. But in order to preserve the public interest... Was he, though? Well, because he was, you know, he was acting in a predetermined way. I don't know. I wasn't there. Before passing sentence, Justice McLennan said that this was the most barbaric case of murder and total disregard for human life that had come before him. (laughs) And he sentenced him... uh, How long did they say he sentenced him for? Well, if you get ten days for cunt and two years for touching a dick... He was sentenced to life. Well... Given his high likelihood of reoffending. Well, I think we can agree with that. Shortly after his incarceration, he almost murdered another prisoner by bashing them with a slops bucket. What a way to go. He was then inc- declared insane by a panel of doctors and he was sent to a, the Morissette Psychiatric Centre for the Criminally Insane. Oh, how ironic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1980, William MacDonald was found to be sane enough to be released back into oh, the mainstream. Oh, God. No, 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 no. To be re- to released back into mainstream prison. Yeah, no, but make your, is he sane? Is he crazy? Is he sane? Is he crazy? He was then in protective custody at Cessnock Prison which was about two hours' drive north of Sydney. Mm -hmm. He requested to live out in this section of the jail because it was quieter and he would not be disturbed by the prison louts. The other record that this bloke has is that he was our oldest living prisoner. He died in 2015 at the age of 90. No way! Still in prison. Wow. Yeah. Records! Take that Guinness! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, did my lap. Yeah, wow. Died of a bowel obstruction. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's that's not a good way. There you go. But police incompetence and bullying probably led to Australia's first serial killer. Look, I really think, like, if he hadn't admitted guilt, he probably probably would have got away with it. And if he didn't go back to Sydney, he probably would have got away with a lot more. Yeah, if he didn't murder them in his own house, he probably would have got away with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I can understand it. I mean, he's probably like, imagine killing people in a public toilet. Just gross. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a homebody myself. I, I kind of, I, like, there's part of me where I do get that. Yeah. But there's a part of me where, like, I want it to be, like, my, my happy place. I want it to be away from work, you True. know. You don't want to always bring work home. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to make that separation. No amount of feng shui is going to fix that shit. Yeah. Well, mm. you, you know what? Maybe you need to separate. Make sure you have, like, a designated killing room. Yeah, with a plant. Mm. It's got a whiteboard. Mm. One of those little keep going with a little kitten hanging yeah. off a limb. Keep stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the day, the job's not done till the dick is off. <laughs> oh my god! And just like you could just go to Costco and just bulk buy your hundred bag of Ziploc bags. You don't clock off till the cock's off. <laughs> Bell. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. I'm an unemployed writer at the moment. If you're a serial killer and you need some motivational sayings. Oh, like, yeah, you're like witty thing to say as you like, you know, don't catapult out of the scene. That's the one good thing about that movie Free Guy, the new one that's out on um, the Disney Channel. Mm, the fucking, uh, what's his name? The guy that was Deadpool? Um, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Oh, fuck. There's one of a character there that he's not quite finished. Yeah. The char- he's a computer character. He's yeah. not quite finished. And he goes to kill people and he goes, catchphrase. <laughs> like, he doesn't have his catchphrase yet. <laughs> so he's got the blank programming. <laughs> catchphrase. So fucking good. Oh my god! Yeah, no, you can do you can do better than that. No, I really, I really enjoy. You don't clock off until the cock comes off. Yeah, that's great. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, think, I, I feel like someone from an Amazon warehouse is going to contact us and be like, "No, that is literally etched <laughs> above the door at Amazon." 
<laughs> it's above the toilets, just as like an omen of what happens. Yeah. If, if you go in there, there's just Jeff Bezos in a raincoat. And <laughs> they've just got a fucking Stanley knife on a string. You want to leave? You know what to do. <laughs> like, like a full fucking legend of the Overfiend. <laughs> Replace it for your own. Harsh, man. Yeah. Harsh. Very, very harsh. Wow. You know what? I kind of. Like, I normally, I'm going to say it, I normally, like, serial killers are douchebags. Oh, totally. I hate this whole glorification of, like, serial killers because they ain't all that. No, like, no. just, they're just dickheads who are just picking on innocent people. They're no Dolly Parton. You know, damn straight, that woman is a national treasure. Yes. Like, they're pieces of shit. Yeah. You know, like, they're not even, like, predator cool. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, ooh, serial killer against other serial killers and murderers and pieces of shit. Yeah. yeah. College students who are a little bit high. What the fuck? Yeah, homeless homeless ex-fucking surgeons, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> fucking, that's, who, that's who you need to go after. Make it fitting. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I kind of, you know, oh, I kind of feel... I just feel like if this guy had just got more hugs from the start... Yeah. You know, a lot of this, you know, and... You know, less institutionalized rape. You know, the, his life could have been better. It could have been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just a little. Yeah. Just a little. He's not the smartest. You know, knife in the drawer. Ironically. No. But you know, hugs not dicks in a bag, man. <laughs> the doggy dicky bag. Oh man, I just yeah, I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, I kind of do too. But then he did those whole heinous murder things. Uh, but again, I kind of... I'm going to read this. Some people, I kind of get it. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm not endorsing it. Don't do it. If you're thinking about doing it, don't do it. If you're looking for a sign to do it, this yeah. is a sign for you not to do it. Yeah, if you want to get yourself some uh, some unwanted attention, just comment out on Instagram. Send us an email. We'll talk to you. <laughs> At the John Brooks. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> At least the dick pics have stopped. Oh, one. We got one. Yeah, I know one through the net was enough. Oh, my God. Oh, you know what? The you other know what I did with that dick pic message? I wrapped it in a piece of fucking newspaper and threw it off the bridge. <laughs> with a brick. Yeah. <laughs> Down with all the other dick pics. You know what? Speaking of dick pics, yeah. we got to give a shout out to all our lovely listeners. This is going out tomorrow. Can we say happy Valentine's Day? Oh. To all you all you lovers and those special socks in your life. Yeah, Happy if you're, Valentine's if you're Day. To us, what the fuck is wrong with you? What? Can't be a lover and like this show, surely. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not even gonna touch that. I know you want me to touch that, but I'm not gonna touch that. Uh, as most women in your life have said to you. <laughs> and what I you- didn't become a serial killer, did I? <laughs> I just became an incel stand-up comedian. Uh, making chili sauce. Oh <laughs> are you getting? Are you making a note to yourself? Did you forget that tomorrow is Valentine's Day? No, I'm trying to find the name of that dude we need to give a shout-out to. Nathan? Yeah. Nate. Thanks for wearing our shirt, Nate. Yay! Oh, yes, yes. Our first T-shirt has arrived uh, in the mail. So, uh, we've got two other listeners who have a shirt coming. They're on their way. We promise. Yeah. So, cool. thanks for the support. Yay, I'm so excited. Yeah, we'll put a picture up of him um, on his very limited edition shirt. There's only like six of them in the world. Yeah. We uh, are working on merch, though. 
Yeah. Yeah. Every every single day we're working on merch. <laughs> uh, we need to kill this. Then now. we will literally just sell to your girlfriend, Lou. We need to lure this episode into the alley, get it drunk, <laughs> and stab it in the dick. Oh my god! Just remember, real mothmen eat the carpet. And maybe look at the dick to have a healthier fucking relationship with masculinity. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I'm gonna press stop. Look at the dick. 